0: everybody this is the legal disclaimer where we tell you that the views thoughts and opinions shared on this podcast belong solely to the person talking to you right now and on this podcast and not necessarily brady or brady's affiliates please note this podcast contains discussions of violence that some people may find disturbing it's okay we find it disturbing too so much, Ted, for coming on. And can you introduce yourself really quick for us?
1: Yeah, my name is Ted Bonar. I'm a clinical psychologist based in Columbus, Ohio.
0: And how about yourself, Dr. Hunter?
2: Hi, I'm Kai Hunter, vice president for programs here at Brady and also a Marine Corps combat veteran.
0: And... I'm having you both on today because uh, let's just be frank the news has been
2: awful. Everything is on fire.
0: Yeah. And so we just thought it'd be really important to pull you both on really quickly because of a really phenomenal podcast that I think that you did on basically veterans and suicide. And yeah. I was really worried for a lot of veterans that I love today. And so I thought that this was a podcast that had to happen really quickly.
2: I think I'd like Ted to handle this for more of a you know a a, a clinical side of it, but I think from a, from a very personal emotional side, you know, you can speak to really involuntary feeling of dread, bad, reliving a lot of your past experiences by seeing, seeing things on the, on the news. Like I know, um, last night I was texting JJ and Ted with both of you about, seeing El Assad a place that I flew into hundreds of times, a place that was really the safe place. Like there were these these physical exhales when you show up at El Assad, because it means that like you're you're safe and you're back. Seeing it attacked it was really there is this visceral response to the place that in the midst of chaos and war was the safe place. Seeing that being being attacked was something and, and just the physical visceral reaction of feeling both the positive emotions that I had, had felt there come back but also the negative emotions of – losing my friends and questioning things and really feeling them was an experience I hadn't viscerally had before. So I can speak to that. But, you know, Ted, I would love to hear from you some of the more the more clinical side. When we see people really are triggered. What does it mean?
1: Well, it's a it's a great question. We hear things in the news or we see images that can remind a person of, you know, of what they have lived. Right. And so there can be this re-experiencing So you see something and it starts a symptom chain of re-experiencing, I'm there again, right? That's a very symptomatic way to look at it, right? But that's, you know, if I'm talking about symptoms, I'm talking about a clinical condition like PTSD, right? And there's, there's no doubt that news like last night or images like last night can start, can activate somebody's symptoms of a clinical condition. Right. And somebody could even have recovered from a clinical condition, but it would reactivate the memories of this is what happened when I was there. I feel like I am there again. And from there, a chain reaction of I feel horrible, or something like that can happen. Well, what I just described a minute ago is this idea of triggering a clinical condition. You know, what we saw last night, and I want to be careful about how I say this, is horrible news. Right. But if there was trauma that was triggering, that's what happened to a person before. Right. That's what PTSD is. The news last night wasn't necessarily, I'd argue, traumatizing. Right. And I think it's important to clarify. We use that word trauma so often that we can identify we can say, oh, this is horrible news and I feel awful. And we can say I'm being traumatized by it. Where it, I think it's really important to say, no, this is awful. It's horrible. And I don't have to feel as though this is a trauma that is reoccurring, right?
2: Well, and I think it can help us work through processing the feelings of it, of, of recognizing that I'm remembering and seeing yep. things that have happened to me in the past. And this is re up those memories of things that happened to me in, in the past. They're not things happening to me right now. And that's, I think, the first step for moving through
1: that's right it doesn't make the news any better right but it it makes maybe how we react to it a little bit different right does a person relive something have to relive it well sometimes that just happens and that's the condition of post-traumatic stress disorder other times and honestly this is for most people this is a really horrible thing that makes us feel really bad but it might not rise to the level of a clinical condition and that can make it, r- right, it helps. how do I reach out for help then? How can somebody else support somebody?
2: Well, I think one thing that's important to, to note here, and it really builds off what Ted was just saying, is that I think this is a time of, of great confusion. You know, it's a time where people are, there is sort of this reliving of, of past traumas. There's a, um, also a, a sort of struggling with how do you react to news this bad? You know, even even if you're saying, you know, I'm not being traumatized, but it's bad. It's horrible news. How do I react to it? What do I do with it? And so there's these feelings of confusion and confusion so often leads to despair. Your despair is sort of the natural outgrowth. I'm confused. I don't know what to do. There don't seem to be any clear answers. Despair is the next space. Mm -hmm. And then you compound isolation Um, with it. A lot of the individuals, you have veterans that we're talking about in, in this case, who were who were in Iraq now live very far flung from support networks. I am incredibly fortunate to have a really good support network, but not everybody does. And you have access to guns and there are access to to guns that are attached to those memories. And so when you add now confusion, despair, bad news plus guns, it's it's really I think an a all too easy situation where you know, a, a temporary tragedy which this really is for any individuals we're talking about turns into a permanent tragedy because there's a thought of there's nothing else I can do and I'm seeing everything fall apart and so I may as well be gone too and so I think that's where it becomes complicated and I think Ted you know what what are the best steps someone who's looking to get help can take and what are what are the steps that if you have a friend or loved one who you think needs help use- yeah use a, use a little extra, extra support, um, with dealing with bad news.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I want to add even one other idea to that. Um, you know, uh, Kai, you're, you really broke down a chain of how it can go from bad news to confusion, to despair, and then it can go to hopelessness. And, you know, and and that's a dangerous place for somebody who is, um, who's, maybe already struggling with some something or has a history and you know might be thinking of taking their life one thing that i think is 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 important kai you started talking about you know maybe it was was 10 minutes ago when you were talking about you know how you feel um having been there and it's so easy to overlay current events onto past experiences and then to take this meaning as well what did it mean you know i feel betrayed because of this bad news I feel like, well, what was it worth what I did? You know, if, if if a service member put their life on a line and then bad news is confusing and despairing, you can retroactively say, well, well, my service and my sacrifice and the people that I lost, it was for nothing. I want to offer this other thought, though, that the news of today I don't think should devalue the service and the sacrifice that somebody made in their life uh, when they were living it. It can be confusing in real time when there are people who we know people who are over there, veterans who have been, you know, maybe who are just uh, separated, who who might be uh, feeling this very deeply and very personally. Um, I wouldn't devalue any of their experiences or, or what it meant that, that they did that. So I, did, I wanted to offer that thought. I, um, I think that can be so confusing when the news is so hard. As far as uh, what to do, Guns are too effective, right? If somebody has had 10 drinks, I'm going to ask somebody if I can hold their keys. Um, That doesn't take away their constitutional right to drive. It means it's not a great time to drive, right? It's not a great time to drive if you've had 10 or 15 drinks. And we kind of accept that these days in our world, right? Well, I think with guns, if somebody is thinking of suicide or if somebody is triggered or if somebody is really upset and into this despair and hopelessness, it's not the time to have the weapon at the ready, right? It's the time to say, um, I wonder if somebody else can hold on to my ammunition. I wonder if I can separate the ammunition from the weapon and, and I can make sure that somebody that I know and trust maybe has the the key to the gun lock safe storage at this time when it's so confusing, there's nothing more important. So I'd say that as far as what other people can do for veterans, it's, it can be simple. It can be check-in. It can be say, Hey, I'm thinking of you. How are you doing? I've been thinking of you since this, this is so hard. What I don't think we need to do is try to solve it. And what I mean by that is personally between me and a friend Who is a veteran, I don't feel the need, nor can I say, here's how it's gonna be, here's how it's gonna work. You know, I I don't feel the need to, I think it would be ineffective for me to support a veteran in a veteran in my life, friend or family member, by trying to make sense of it. What I'd rather do is say, this is so hard. It's confusing, it's upsetting, this is awful. I've been thinking of you all day. You know, anything you need from me, what are you going through? Uh, anything you want to talk about? You good? Have you checked in on your your buddies? Have you checked in on your friends? This is a community effort, right? This is we're there for each other individually and collectively in a time like this. That's not the same thing as fixing a problem. It's I'm there for you, and then we take it from there. Do you need help, right? If we need to uh, give a support network somebody and a phone number, the easiest and best that's 24 hours is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. And the phone number on that is 1-800-273-8255. And if you're a military or veteran, you simply press one and you will get a veteran who understands a suicide crisis and who understands the military veteran experience and is trained and knowing how to talk about a crisis when it's happening and can help find further resources. You know, that's crisis. If it's less than a crisis, I want to be there for each other, right? Does that make sense? All those things I said?
2: And when you're reaching out to your your friends, ask the hard questions. Well, thank you so much,
0: Ted. Thank you so much, Kai. I I really appreciate you both hopping on on what I know is a very busy day for you for this very hard thing. So thank you. I love you both.
1: Thanks. Love you both.
0: Thanks for listening. As always, Brady's life-saving work in Congress, the courts, and communities across the country is made possible thanks to you. For more information on Brady or how to get involved in the fight against gun violence, please like and subscribe to the podcast. Come see us online at BradyUnited.org or follow us on social at BradyBuzz. Be brave. And remember, take action, not sides.